My outstretched hands at length encountered some solid obstruction. It was a wall, seemingly of stone masonry, very smooth, slimy, and cold. I followed it up, stepping with all the careful distrust with which certain antique narratives had inspired me. This process, however, afforded me no means of ascertaining the dimensions of my dungeon, as I might make its circuit and return to the point whence I set out without being aware of the fact so perfectly uniform seemed the wall. I had not counted upon the extent of the dungeon or upon my own weakness. The ground was moist and slippery. I staggered onwards for perhaps half an hour when I stumbled and fell. Edgar Allan Poe, The Pit and the Pendulum. Welcome back to the Wellhouse Exorcism. This is your ghost host most, Shanna. That was fast. It's Paco PJ. And it's Jackie. Our medical Woo! expert. Woo! Jackie's <laughs> in the house. Welcome back to part three of Eastern State Penitentiary. Tonight is all the terrifying torture and the spooky spoops. The spooky spoops? No, the spooky spoops. I want spooky spoops. <laughs> Maybe you'll get some of those too. Oh, I don't okay. know. We'll see what Jackie has. <laughs> I'm not prepared for spoopy spoops. I'm mm. prepared for spooky spoops. Mm. How are you, Jackie? I'm good. How are you guys? Great. As I like to say, live in the dream. <laughs> My principal goes, that sounds really sarcastic. And I go, well, a dream can be good or it can be a nightmare. So you can take it any way you want to. That's why I teach eighth grade, which he started laughing. We all laughed when we cried, you know. Yep. <laughs> no, it, we're back to a new school year. Um, obviously finishing up Eastern State, which makes me happy. And I get to see your lovely face, which makes me happy too. So hi. Hey. And of course, hi. our listeners can't see you, but we can. And like I said, <laughs> I apologize. Okay. They don't need to see the exhaustion. So. <laughs> Same. I said, no one wants to see this right here. Like, I'm done. It's been a week. So you are a medical expert because obviously you are super smart in the medical field. So we're going to be turning to you for um, all of these things they did mm. to help. <laughs> That did not help, but actually were torture. <laughs> and why would we bad idea to do these things? So that is your job tonight, okay? But first, I'd like to uh, mention my references for this night's section. I am once again taking from Philadelphia Haunts by Catherine Driver, Haunted Pennsylvania Ghosts and Strange Phenomena of the Keenstone State by Mark Nesbitt and Patty A. Wilson. I'm also hopping on to ParanormalMilwaukee.com and, of course, the ESP Audio Tour. Anything from you, PJ? The esteemed travelchannel.com. Of course. Like, I'm like, I have a great APA reference. I was on Travel Channel. NPR.org. Oh, okay. So that's right. a good one. All right, NPR. Ghostcitytours.com. I actually was on that one, but I didn't take from that one. And why, why, <laughs> dot org. It is why, why. W H Y Y. W H Y Y dot org. Why? It's a PBS. Uh, affiliate though okay well whenever my so. creators ask really weird questions mm -hmm. i think why Hi. so i, I feel <laughs> Two you times. yeah i what? feel you how about you jackie mostly your um, brain I know i've got some information off of britannica about some of the medical licensing she's using a good reference <laughs> <laughs> um and also the esp website and um mainly just just some medical sites about different things so. and your brain because you know medical <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff <laughs> and, 
So before we get into all the medical stuff, I do want to begin with a famous prison escape because we haven't discussed it yet. It was kind of, I want to say like tantalizingly given to our listeners in part one. We kind of beat around the bush in part two with Carrie, but I want to give the full story because I told Carrie not to email me or Facebook me with any corrections (laughs) after part one. Because I'd see her in part two. And she's like, I wasn't going to, but actually. So thank you, Carrie. Um, I wanted to make sure that the whole story is told. Um, and since she's our ESP expert, she like, you know, has lived there pretty much. Um, she has the whole story. So there was a couple of uh, famous uh, escapes, but the biggest one happened in 1945. So we know that there are famous prisoners like Al Capone and Willie Sutton. So William Sutton was part of a famous escape that happened with the, uh, you know, crazy tunnel dig. And it was a very tiny tunnel, but I learned a lot about it during my research. So it actually happened on April 3rd, 1945. And it was an inmate named Clarence Clindence, which everyone called him Kleiny. So maybe it's pronounced Clindence. It's a very Germanic yeah, last yeah. name. But they, everyone called him Kleiny, which is a good last name or a good nickname, I should say. He was a good worker and he was trusted by the admin there. So his job really was to fix plaster and the stone masonry all around um, the prison. And you had mentioned his initials, CK, mm-hmm. are actually engraved on the wall in the courtyard. In the courtyard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you look up online, you like CK plus Eastern State, it'll pop up. It's kind of cool. Um, so only, only kind of cool. Hey, it's, I, it's moderately interesting. It, I think it's kind of cool. Like, you know what? I'm going to put my name on it. Like, I would do that too. That's, that's, that's kind of interesting just because of the fact he escaped. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put my mark on it and now bye. Yeah. <laughs> but what, since he was plastering, he kind of said, like, hey, can I replaster my own cell? And the warden's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. We trust you. So while plastering, <laughs> and he was also digging a hole. Um, so in the wall, he did construct his uh, tunnel. It took him nearly a year to make the escape tunnel. Mm-hmm. And he hid it behind a wooden panel. So they never, and again, like, I don't understand how they never thought it's been almost a year and he's still plastering his cell. How weird. I don't know. Why didn't they think about that? But anyway, it's finished. It went 15 feet down. To get past, of course, the 10 foot down below wall. Okay, so 15 feet down. It wow. went 97 feet out to Fairmont Avenue. Jeez. And then 15 feet back up because <laughs> they had to go back up to the earth, right? So, yeah, a year long, 15 feet down, nine, almost 100 feet out that away. And yeah. then 15 feet back. That's crazy. Um, it was, now here, I didn't know this, and I didn't hear on the audio tour, it was equipped with lights all the way. <laughs> so you could see where you were going, all right? How? And, uh, who's giving him lights <laughs> in this cell? And, and wires. Yes. And it's enforced with wood bracings, too. Where is he getting the wood? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> so... I, 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 I'm in the same boat. It's like, how did you get the wood? How did you get the lights? Were they not thinking about any of this? <laughs> I know you have like 23 hours to yourself. That's just and, incredible. I know. Where is he hiding it? Like, like give his, him his freedom at that point. <laughs> he earned it. So, yeah, not he, like his toothpick can hold up the wall. I know. You know? <laughs> but like, imagine like it's, 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 and if you go to Eastern State, like it is a really small tunnel. So they were crawling out, but above you is lights and it is safe with brackets of wood. So like it was really well constructed. So, 
Um, he and his roommate do escape along with 10 others, which one of them is Willie Sutton. Um, they are all recaptured because, as we kind of mentioned, I'm not sure if it was in the podcast or if it was like when we were there. Um, but if you're wearing your, you know, striped pajamas, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. So they were <laughs> picked up pretty much right away. Yeah, that was last week we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it took, you know, Willie Stone was like one of the first ones recaptured. One guy actually came back later. He knocked on the door and he said, Hey, can I come back in? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so he came back to prison. He could have gone away with it, but he came back. So they all um, came back. Now, Willie Sutton was well known as this like flamboyant um, bank robber. So everyone knew him. He's a very famous person in the time period. So he claimed credit for it and that he said that, you know, he designed it, he constructed it. But the truth is, it was all Kleiny. So, Carrie, you're welcome. Mm. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. The, Carrie, I want to see your sources on this. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Jackie, my brain. <laughs> Considering it's in there in her, her Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> she came over and she has like these, all these books to give me. And she has an actual printout of the audio tour. Yeah, like, she has she a has, full oh. script of the audio tour. Because, again, she wow. like lives there. Yeah. So she's like, I think I'm ready. I'm like, yep, you think? Like, I'm researched. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she's, I didn't do enough. She's putting my one paper to shame. <laughs> I know. And they're like, so I'm like, oh boy, I don't feel so good. Thank God it's all her stories. So anyway, that is the background. So let's get into the juicy stuff The now. foreground. Why? You keep the, the dad jokes. I don't say stupid jokes. The dad jokes to danger and dice and to games overboard. You don't. This is supposed to be a spooky podcast. <laughs> part one. So anyway, the terrifying torture. Now, there are lots of things that happen, like hooded people and, you know, the the chairs and all that stuff. But I know that you had done some research just in general on the eastern side of America because you live in California. Like, you're on the exact opposite. (laughs) Must be nice. Although, today it was sunshine, but it was like 90 and super humid. I felt like I was in the Amazon. It was like a jungle out there. It Yesterday, was it was in the 60s, cool and wonderful. Pennsylvania. See, I'm jealous. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Pennsylvania. Yeah, yesterday, our kids were wearing sweaters and pants. And it was raining. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tomorrow, there might be snow. That's PA for you. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so I think it's cool that you did research on just here, like what we need to keep people healthy. So you go ahead and talk and take it away. And I will just chime in and say you're wonderful. So there was a study done um, back about vitamin D D deficiency. And it usually only takes a person who has like 25% of their body exposed to the sunlight about three minutes to produce enough vitamin D to, you know, keep you healthy. Okay. But back there in Boston is where they did the study. Um, The winter, you would need 23 minutes at least at high noon. But because it's so cold, with all of the layering that you guys do, it could take up to two hours to produce enough vitamin D. You're barely seeing our cheeks then. We cover it all. (laughs) (laughs) So if they were outside for only an hour a day and it was sunny, you know, okay, they were okay. But if it's not and it's cloudy and all of those other things, they're not getting the ultraviolet lights, which um, vitamin vitamin D deficiency can cause fatigue, not sleeping well, bone pain, depression. Oh, my gosh. What? What, On top of what they're doing. (laughs) Hmm. It's the vitamin Um, D's fault, obviously. (laughs) Not the iron gag. It wasn't them. (laughs) Feelings of sadness, hair loss, muscle weakness, loss of appetite, getting sick more easily, and pale skin. Wow. And so it's, yeah. That wasn't said like there was like, you know, there's always like 
tuberculosis outbreak. So if you're already having that lowered right. immune system. Oof. Yeah. And then, and then with TB, they always recommend putting them in sunlight too. So in the open air, but you know, I remember you guys saying it from episode one that they had built on top of it. So all those beautiful skylights that they had are now gone. Yeah. So, oh yeah. There, there's, if you ever get over on this side of the United States and you go there, some of those windows in those like cell blocks that have the dual layers or the gallery, as they call it, the windows look like this, like, like the little sandwich and the light kind of comes. It's almost like you're in, like in a basement, you know, but it's even smaller than like basement windows. It's like this. It's crazy. Wow. So, yeah, light comes in, but it's not like direct sunlight. You couldn't even like probably yeah, so grow a plant correctly. I'll pull in. up a picture. Well, our listeners can't see the picture. Poor PJ. Jackie. Okay, fine. <laughs> Well, but, I can yeah, see it. That's a normal one. So, yeah, that's the that's the um, the vaulted ceiling, and that's yeah, the yeah, natural skylight. So it's very beautiful. It looks like a cathedral there. Can she see it? Oh, right, you're not even sure yet. So <laughs> this is a normal one. So you can see like okay. the all vaulted ceilings. You can see that with the the light there, very natural, very beautiful. If you want to get a nap in the middle of the day, though, it's going to burn your eye sockets. But whatever. Okay. <laughs> when they built on the second level, that vaulted ceiling kind of had to go away then so they could have more space. And so the window actually moves up against the wall. Now, PJ took a whole yeah, bunch of pictures, so I... finally it's going to take a little while. Hey, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's me in that there's picture. Al that's Al Capone's um, room. We're talking about him in a little bit. Oh. oh, there's the chair. I know. I love that picture. Ooh, there's the chair. <laughs> that's going to be the picture that we post on Facebook, man, right there. I'll post it on Twitter, too. Oh, sorry, X. But anyway, so vitamin D deficiency, definitely a thing. Um, we actually all get it. That's why we have seasonal effectiveness mm -hmm. disorder. And it's actually pretty bad around here. They actually suggest that you, you know, like go to a tanning bed or something or drink your milk because, you know, we have vitamin D in our milk now. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it, we a lot of us get depressed. We get mopey over the winter over here. We get to be mopey and sad. Like well, and we've, we've also integrated a lot of fortifying and foods to supplement for vitamin D. So like out here in California, we don't have to worry about it because it's like sunshine nonstop. It never freaking stops. I'd like to see the clouds every now and then. But out there, I get it. Like, and then putting, you know, there it the, is. The, okay. the things. So there's the Where so, is the window? So that's the light coming this in. This is a shower, actually. But yeah. Um, this is right there where you're the, the right up there. It's a, it's a little section, but the light's coming down because it's actually vaulted triangular up like a basement window. Uh -huh. So all of that right there, the big piece, that is all built into the wall, almost like water could rush down in if the window wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like it's a, what's that called? Like a, mm -hmm. a slide or yeah, a, like a ramp. A ramp. And that the light is this itty bitty section on the very top. It's crazy. Yeah. So the, pro the problem with that is they're actually not getting the ultraviolet ultraviolet rays that they need to make the mm -hmm. vitamin D. Yeah. Because it's it's bouncing off of everything else. Yeah, like I said, I, growing a plant would be difficult with that. So <laughs> <laughs> if they could even have plants back then, I don't know. They had a pain. They could have rabbits. <laughs> they, got, they had animals. <laughs> they did. Uh, actually, I'm going to mention the dog again tonight. Briefly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. Pep the dog. <laughs> so what else do you want to talk about this evening? Just in general um, about... I know you had mentioned some stuff about um, some of the therapies that they use there. So I have some stuff on that, like when it started implementing and like different things that they did. Um, I know I can't remember if they did lobotomies over there, but I know it was on. Um, so PJ is going to discuss the crazy doctor. I actually okay. have learned nothing about that on purpose, so it's all him, and I can be surprised because he. I'm gonna have, it, you may have to repeat. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did not pop up anything. Like I mean, when I was researching, he wasn't in anything, so I don't. I didn't know he was talking about. It. I was like, "There's a doctor. Cool. All right. Yeah. 
Um, but did you guys notice when you went to do the tour? Because I was looking at the um, actual map of it that the actual medical wing, which is cell block three, is one of the smallest wings that there is. And I was like, how, how, y'all, y'all got some crazy people in there. I know you yeah. do. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> and you're all, making them even crazier. So <laughs> yeah, it's all chained up too. Like uh, public isn't allowed in there yet. I'm yeah. sure eventually they'll renovate it and we'll be in there, but until well, I then. found an article saying that they're they're opening up cell block cell block three for like fifteen minute hard hat tours because it's so unsafe. And I was like, uh, I kind of think it might be something else, but <laughs> Well, that's how it was for Eastern State when it first opened. You had to wear hard hats just like uh, Hillview Manor, but now they've done some renovations. But I actually read that they don't want to renovate too much. They want to keep a lot of the cell blocks looking like they do to remind everybody that this is hopefully done you know (laughs) and that it is it was in disrepair so it kind of just adds to the the lesson don't do this again (laughs) yeah which i like so when they went in there i think that the first amount of torture they got when they walked in was being forced to be hooded as they walked quietly to their cell in my opinion now Mm -hmm. in my research the word black hood popped up over and over again but pj mentioned they had white hoods with with black eye well like with black because it's all black they could not see anything so and i typed in like black or white hoods and i couldn't get a definitive answer and i looked through the audio tour and it really wasn't in there so whatever hood it was they were not seeing the only picture they have is of a white hood and all the all of the uniforms were white yeah. So I assume it was White Hood. Yeah. Um, but they have the, the black eyes there, which is kind of really creepy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the idea of just being like even led in the darkness and living that solitary life, it's going to, and like not having any human interaction, it's going to lead to mental illness. So my question to you is why? You're the medical uh, honestly, person. I, <laughs> I don't know why they would do that. But for me, my my thing with that is you have people who have all kinds of mental disorders and they hear voices in their heads and they hear all these things. And now you're telling them they can't see anybody or speak to anybody else. Who do you think they're going to talk to? Yeah. Like you've got one of your most notorious criminals in there, Al Capone, and he's a mastermind at what he does. What do you what you just gave him all this time to plot everything else? So then he can come out here to Alcatraz and cause his problems. <laughs> <laughs> he gets extra so, yeah. time. <laughs> to I have work. a whole bunch of not Al Capone too. On to his stories. Yeah. Yes. I have a little bit. Um. You can add in. <laughs> Al Capone's an interesting person. But, but like, yeah, they, they use the hood. So it a deterred people from like talking to each other and mm-hmm. B. So you didn't know who everyone else was. You, you were, you know, you, again, adding to that isolationism. You know, just not knowing who your fellow inmates are. I bet not knowing exactly where your cell is, too, would be part of it. Yeah. Like, you can't really escape it. It's disorientating. Yeah. If you don't know where you are, you can't run away. Especially when you, the original cells of blocks one, two, and three, you went in through the back, Mm -hmm. through the yard. And so you never actually saw the inside of the prison, you know? That's scary, by the way. The idea, like, you have no idea. And, like, everything comes with little, little hole. A little feeding hole. Yeah, but I, I Am learned I wrong that. or did they have their ears? They had their the something blocking their hearing too. I don't remember if I read that on this one or another one. Oh, I um, didn't hear that. I didn't, that, wasn't, to, that wasn't. That okay. wasn't. But it could be for some people. But that wasn't part of the tour because um, the guards would even wear um, socks over their shoes, so when they walked, you wouldn't hear their feet even okay. on the yeah. Yeah. To keep everything muffled, so that way it was very quiet. Yeah, but I learned that as they were making cell blocks one and two. 
they're already like getting people in and filling up cell block one. And they're like, uh oh, <laughs> this isn't good. And that's why blocks, um, three through seven. So they're working on one and two. And as, uh, that's why three through seven are two stories is the first couple, um, Oh no, four through seven. I was right the first yeah. one. So the first, uh, the first three are all one story. And then they had to completely redesign the, the prison for the final four blocks with two stories. Yeah. Because they were told because like, they're we need more already people. getting too many people. Yeah. John fit more wow. people in there. Okay. There goes my plan. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but I think like, you know, you want to disorient them. You want to make them feel alone. You can take it one step further, which was the Klondike. So like the, the hole, mm. right? Um, so did you do any research on that? Cause I got a lot on it, Jackie. Um, I really, I didn't do any research on that, but that one freaks me out because just all on its own, the whole, let's put you in the hole because I don't claim I'm claustrophobic, but I'm pretty sure I am. <laughs> you will be. <laughs> but what would you do for no. Klondike? Klondike bar. <laughs> A lot. Right. Cl- I'm okay with that one. <laughs> what would I do to get out of going to the Klondike? I would be quiet and not yeah, talk right. to anybody, yeah. <laughs> including my, my uh, no, pet no, rabbit. No. Um, so my joke is on here, you can always be more solitary <laughs> right, if you go into the Klondike. But it was a pit and it was dug under cell block 14. Um, later, of course, there, it's cement and stuff, right? But they always say it's dug underneath there. And it really is like the pictures. It's so shallow to walk down. Like you are crouching if you're allowed to go down there. But they were locked in there for weeks at a time. Wow. I know. Yeah. Like you mentioned, if you weren't claustrophobic, you are now. Surprise. Yeah. Um, and you were given, now, according to some sources, they said they'd be tossed a single slice of bread. Another account says they were given half rations of bread and water. So I'm not sure who's, but Mark Nesbitt says half rations of bread and water, and they were given a pound of bread a day. So, like, that I means half mm-hmm. a pound of bread, but it's more than a single slice being tossed to you. It could have changed to a single slice near the end because they were torturing their, their inmates, right? But regardless, they'd be lucky to get that bread before the rats or the cockroaches did. So you weren't oh, getting. Uh. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so that's gross enough to think about, right? Yeah. No, my rat ate this. Yeah. I mean, there's the protein, but <laughs> there it was. And he, like, that is what happened in dungeons in the 1300s, you know, oh, and yeah. here it's happening in our, you know, well, not in our lifetime, but in the modern day. Um, but, uh, when it came to Mark Nesbitt in, and Patty Wilson's book, I quoted them saying, since the guards like to chain up the inmates in the dark cells, they would often be stripped naked and not given blankets while given half rations of bread and water. They were left in these cells for over two months. So that is horrifying. And then adding on to that in the ESP tour, we heard about a guy, a guy, there's an inmate talking to you, like, and he tells you his story. And he said um, that he had a friend, he was just a young man, like, he actually calls him a kid. And he says, Jimmy Devlin was put in there for 30 days, in the hole for 30 days. He came out and he was almost blind. Yeah. And yeah. so my question is, how does that happen? Because you're the medical expert. I know that like, you, there's you, not much going on, but. Well, you're, you're your retinas and everything, they're not going to be exposed to it. So you can't dilate or, or contract your eyes and it gets used to that. So it's one of those, um, 
I can't remember the study that was done on that. I know there was one um, about they blindfolded people and just kept them blindfolded. And when they took up, they couldn't see Oh my gosh. because your eyes cannot adjust to the light. So it's, it's instead of going pinpoint when there's too much light, mm-hmm. they're just constantly dilated because they're always trying to see and it just, wow. it ends up burning them. That's so scary. that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? Glasses, but... <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike? <laughs> what would you do to not be in the be Klondike? <laughs> I swear it'll be good. It'll be good. Um, so I just think like just solitary in general, you know, you're again, if we add in the vitamin D deficiency, you're already depressed. You are just prone to depression. Suicide was a factor here, of course, but it got worse. Of course, they needed other means to torture these poor inmates. Now, of course, I say poor inmates because some of them were terrible, like, but some of them were like in there for, you know, not much. So mm-hmm. they went through some really horrible torture for things that they wouldn't even like go to jail for today. Um, did you do any research on the water baths? Um, I did not find a lot on the water baths. Okay. So we, um, we got that. It is. Okay. All right. So just in general, you know, you can hose someone down with water. But we're in Pennsylvania. So, PJ, what happens when you water somebody in the middle of winter and chain them to a wall outside? You turn into a, an inmate-sickle. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, no, no. No, I mean, that's it's correct. Yeah, so they would strip the inmates naked uh, at some point. Sometimes they keep them, you know, uh, clothed. But regardless, they were doused with water, and then they were chained to the wall outside. Now, some quotes say they were hanged on the wall, but I can't imagine you're hanging a person out there because that would be difficult. I don't want to see it if they did. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they're left there for quite a long time. Some stories were overnight in the middle of winter in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so that's not fun. A frostbite that would yeah. happen. Like- so, yeah. And that's straight up what um, – I forget what she was duchess of, but Elizabeth Bowtery mm-hmm. uh, she would make her servants lie down in the snow and then she'd dump buckets of water on them. And like same kind of thing, and she was a you know, and she's where Bloody Mary came from, right? Po- the idea of Bloody Mary, I believe so. Yeah, I think she's the origination. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. How many bodies did they find in that? Lots, lots, yeah, <laughs> lots. Um, but yeah, so they were left out there for quite a long while. Sometimes they um, redouse them, they bring them back in, pour more water, and put them back out there. But of course, they'd come in with blue tinged fingers and toes, and they'd suffer frostbite. Now. I know frostbite point out a big issue on California. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you'd be amazed. You put us someplace cold and we're a bunch of ding-dongs and we're like, oh, no, I don't need gloves. Why can't I feel my fingers? <laughs> Although we live in PA, so we're like, oh, it's only like 10 degrees outside. Oh, we're my light coat. <laughs> well, th- then we have college girls, too, who want to look you know, pretty for all the boys. So they'll do bar crawls in the middle of January with no coats and their midriff showing. But they're wearing UGG boots to keep their feet and their legs warm. So, Okay, I'll give them credit because out here in California, they wear UGG boots all the time. I'm like, it's 5,000 degrees outside. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Nope, nope. That's not even a style choice for me. I mean, flip-flops. Um, yeah. So frostbite, there are a couple ways to treat it. But generally speaking, what happens when you get frostbite? Um, If it gets too bad, they will amputate. Because you have to look at it, frostbite's going to cause the skin to peel, it can cause wounds, there's no feeling in it, there's nothing, so the skin just starts to die and the, the muscle there starts to die. And when you have dead tissue there, you just need a 
chop it off. Yep. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. Yeah. Ugh. So <clears throat> in some of the later, ca- some of the cases, they actually had to chop off some fingers and toes, which is going to lead to death if you don't have a good sanitary environment or a really good medical care situation. Um, <laughs> they did have to stop that, though. So later, they switch over to just chaining the prisoners outside and pelting them with high-pressure water. Oh, that's better. Yes. <laughs> the reason why... What? You, you, you put them outside and you're pelting them with water. And then um, they're not left out there. That's the humane oh, part. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I've been like, at least not frozen, question mark. Uh, the reason they instituted this later because, and I'm quoting this from the text... They instituted this after the water baths because it left no marks on the inmates. We didn't hurt them. You can't prove it. I'm not chopping off fingers and toes. Wow. Yeah. So. They didn't have that finger when they got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't we look in the trash nine, can. I'm sorry. <laughs> Someone erased that last fingerprint. <laughs> <laughs> it never existed. So the next thing that I had... We don't need that. (laughs) Walking. Who wants to walk? Um, My gosh. We call him Stumpy Steve. He's been like that. Again, this is supposed to be a spooky podcast. Well, it kind of is. Imagine somebody walking around with no fingers going, oh my God, what did I do? (laughs) You want to know how I got these scars and lost my fingers? He walks up to you, high five. Oh, hi, Stump. (laughs) Oof. Hi, hi, Palm. Hi, Palm. There we go. Oof. All right. Palm slaps. <laughs> it's stop. the original version of fist bumping. What? <laughs> <laughs> if ever a time we were going to get haunted, the ghosts are going to come and haunt us now because we're being terrible. Um, so then I, I just imagine like you have that torture going on, but then they go, what else can we do to torture them? And so that's when you move into straight jackets and then the mad chair. So do you have any research on that or do we want to pause and have you take over with your research and we'll come back to straight jackets and the mad chair? Um, you can come back to it if you want. So that way I can kind of give a history on the medical, how, how the cool. medical profession has come up to what it is now. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah. So, so they're, they're not hosing people down and hanging them out to dry in the winter? <laughs> that's not, so, not common um, practice? um so what i what i kind of figured out is the earliest nurse ever hired was in 1793 and that was for just yellow fever Mm -hmm. and most nurses were only trained for being a midwife you know you're gonna go be the person who delivers a baby um can i pause there my students actually read fever 1793 and it was a terrible epidemic that happened in philadelphia yellow fever was pretty common but it killed a huge percentage of the population yeah. in Philadelphia in the time period. So, but yeah, so that predates this, but they're worried about epidemics then because of that. So this is, this is going to be a, a kind of, kind of jumping around a little bit. So in 1839, we had uh, Joseph Warrington uh, trained nurses for childbirth um, in their own homes. Then the woman's hospital of Philadelphia failed at trying to get people trained to come in and train for, to be nurses. They just, People wouldn't do it. It oh. was, you could only be a teacher or you were at home with your family. Wow. It was looked badly upon to do anything yes. else. Yes, welcome to, especially to rural Pennsylvania. So that's in 1839. And then 1946 is when the American Nurse Association finally made it uh, an integrated profession where they accepted all color, race, and whatever, sex, everything. Because, mm-hmm. hmm. come on, let's get everybody in here. 
but that still didn't go too well. Men's men weren't joining, other people weren't joining. It was usually just um African American women who would sign up for it because it was their way of getting out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things that mm-hmm. they were doing. Um, 1935 was our first bachelor program for nursing, 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 nurturing, nursing. I knew what you were saying. (laughs) And then in 1964, the nurse training act, um, was made and it's what sent nurses to school and they had to have education. So 1964, you know, how many of these nurses were working in these prisons and things without that, but that would have been good to know for Penhurst. We'd mentioned that there were people who weren't really you know, trained, but now yeah. all of that makes a lot oh more sense. Especially if you're well, following then, the doctor and he's like, well, we're going to do this lobotomy. Like, Oh, okay, sure. Cause you have a degree. I don't. <laughs> That's um, scary. In 1960, the U S had 270 RNs to a hundred thousand patients. 270. Yeah. Oof. 1980, we had about 560 RNs to the same number. And then by 2014, it's about a thousand RNs to about the same number. Yeah, I had some stuff on the doctors. The doctors were, they actually were licensed or medically trained, medical licenses if you will. Yeah. given to them. Yeah, long before anybody else. But again, what did that medical training include? You know, there was, in like, Civil War, it's here to learn how to chop off an arm. Like, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> off. You're when a doctor. My finger's black. Go ahead, cut it off. <laughs> this is so my it's, finger it's cutting saw. <laughs> It's one of those you just you don't know exactly because it's really hard to find the actual history on it mm-hmm. because of course we don't want people to know how dark and nasty our history was. Yeah. Um, See, I'm probably embarrassed it's, it's, by it. I think you you know you learned from it, so it's good to know what we didn't know, and so we won't repeat that in the future. You know, like that's just how it is. We've come a long way. Right. We have. We have. Well, yeah, we have. <laughs> Especially in the last thirty years in our lifetime, you know. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Well, it, again, it like it just baffles me that 1964 is when it became. You know, you have to have training in order to be a nurse. I mean, they tried to get programs up, yeah. but didn't work. <laughs> and then at that, it's like how much. I don't know what the regulations require um, out there, but it's like how many medical staff do you have to have on duty in a prison? You know, it's it's different. Um, it's not like it's a hospital or a nursing mm-hmm. facility or yeah. anything else where you need to have medical staff there all the time. And I was actually looking um, online and found one of your guys' penal codes. And it's the the very first thing in there, it says uh, it's like penal code 93.12. Every institution will establish procedures to pre- permit inmates to have access to healthcare professionals, prescribed treatment for ser- serious medical needs, Appropriate nutrition, exercise, and personal hygiene. So that we well, have to take wow. them to doctors. We don't have to have them exactly. on. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that whole little thing right there just says you need to have access. Well, guess what? I called 911. You had access. Yep. And yeah. then they're billing them for things. So it's like, what? I'm not going to ask you for a Tylenol when you're going to bill me $500 for it and want me to do all this other work for it. So. Yeah it's kind of crazy how it works, but it was, it was weird that I actually found the penal codes on it. And I was just like, Oh, okay. And that's Pennsylvania. (laughs) Not going to jail there. Got it. (laughs) No, no, I'd rather go there than California. Oh, is it really worse out there? (laughs) Um, our prison systems are pretty bad and they're, they're super, super crammed. And I mean, they're, they're letting people out with really bad felonies because Mm. they're so overpopulated Mm. and it's just, 
nurses that I know that work in the prison system, they're like, don't do it. Don't, don't ever come into the system. Don't, 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 don't. Yes, we get paid good money, but we literally have to walk around with a guard with us because God knows if we're going to get killed. Hmm. Wow. So Yeah, I was told yeah. a couple of years ago I should become a teacher for a prison because at, you get paid really well to be a teacher because a lot of them are getting like, you know, education trained to go do right. something when they leave. Um, and I was told you should do it. But then I was told, you know, you work behind basically like, you know, shatterproof plastic and glass and there's a guard 24 mm-hmm. 7 i'm like i feel a little more confident teaching in that case <laughs> honestly but i'll stick to eighth graders you know i'm good i'm good that's, that's my niche yeah. <laughs> it's fine i'd rather do that i I'm, i feel safer um okay so we could just have have access to health care so we mm-hmm. have people who are getting really sick. And I got to say, like, they still get yard time. Like, we, we do have, like, courtyards for mm-hmm. prisoners. But, again, it's the winter. So they're going to go indoors. Yeah, they're indoor gyms and things <laughs> well, like yeah, that. Well, yeah, but it's indoor. So get some UV lights and we're good. There we go. Yeah. Fix the problem. But on, on a serious <laughs> note, about the prison system, PJ mentioned it in part one. Like, they have at ESP this amazing exhibit that is air conditioned. Um, but it is <laughs> just fascinating about like the change in terms of prisons and how we structured them since the penitentiary to our modern day, like Sing Sing New York system mm-hmm. and the abuse of it and how just the populations are growing. Like just it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you, if you ever want to, like they probably have a version of that online for people to listen to and watch. I would really suggest it. It was, it was eye opening. Mm-hmm. At the end of this, I can show the little clip I made, too. Oh, that's true. Because you promised in part one to post it on our YouTube. I know. I'm working on it, actually. Oh, okay. PJ had an issue. <laughs> like I said, we were ha- we did have some tech problems happening while we were there. Um, so he has to go through all that. And it picks up sounds really easily. Because, again, you're walking and it's really, really quiet because the way the vaulted ceilings are. So even if you're doing that, it is, like, on the the recording, even though you're far from the phone. Like, that's just yeah. – you were whispering and they could hear you whispering. It's crazy. Ooh. So kind of kind of kind of a weird segue with that though. Do you think that a lot of the like, you know, the portals to hell, the ghost the the, the all the the ghost adventures, all of those mm-hmm. people, do you think that it's stuff like that that they're hearing each other and not really realizing it? So I actually have someone's story um from that and I'm going to say yes and no. Because some mm-hmm. of the things you probably could explain away. Mm-hmm. And so she's very honest in her book. She's like, you could explain this away. But there were some examples of things that happened that you couldn't. Yeah. So I think that things really do happen there. All right. Another type of torture then um, given by the not well, the doctors, the non-nurses, no, by the staff there um, who wanted to torture were to use straight jackets and the mad chair. So I'm going to focus on straight jackets first. Because both are terrible, but mm-hmm. the mad chair just makes us sick. And PJ has a picture. You saw a picture of it, Jackie. So they would take a straight jacket and they would ply it so tightly to your body that it cut off all the circulation to your neck and to your head. So you would pass out, obviously, because like, <laughs> yeah. But they did it on purpose because when they went to remove it, it was very painful for the person to have it removed. So... I have an inkling it's probably because of circulation loss, but does it really hurt when that comes when it comes back? Is that why it would be painful? So, you know when you're a kid and you clench your fists and you hold them like that, and then when you go to open, like they say just do it for like 30, se- or 30 seconds to a minute, and you open it and your hands are cramped, imagine oh, that with the rest of your okay. body. Yeah, that would be Ooh. very yeah, – Everything okay. just cramps up, and oh. it's muscle atrophy and all of that. So, yeah, everything just starts cramping. Oh. 
a cramp. Yeah. I gave myself a nice severe hug and now it hurts to, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they would do that. All right. But now the good news is that you would not lose fingers to frostbite, right? Um, <laughs> in this version. No, you lose your arm to circulation. But, no, no, no. That's in the mad chair. Okay. We took the straight. Jacket. <laughs> so yeah, like, I'm building up to the mad chair. And of course we can go to the iron gag last, but the straight jackets are put on purposely. So you would pass out and then wake up and they would take it off and you'd be in pain. Pretty effective torture, but they then went, how can we make it worse? We can do solitary, then we can make it worse by doing the Klondike slash hole. How can we make the straight jacket worse? The mad chair. Give him the chair. <laughs> All right. So did you do any research on that, PJ? Do you remember the mad chair, what they would do to you? Nope. Yes, I got this. All right. So <laughs> if you were a very, very bad inmate, all right, you, this was like, Apart from the iron gag, this is a bad one. You were tied to it, and it was called the mad chair because you would use it for patients who were having, like, you know, psychotic episodes in places like Penhurst. You know, it's it's basically a straitjacket, but you're being tied down to a chair instead. So it would literally drive them insane, too, because of what they went through. You are put in this chair, and you are strapped down very, very tightly with leather straps. So, like, you imagine, like, you see that, like, in scary movies, but, like, imagine so tightly that it is making it so you can't move at all. Like you are physically stuck. They put that much strappage on you. And then you'd be forced to sit in that chair for days. They would not move you even to use the potty, which they made sure I tell you in the tour. <laughs> Ew. Mm. Okay. And you would go without food as well. So you are there without any circulation, strapped to a chair in your own feces and no food for days. Obviously, when you have circulation cut off for so long, what can happen to your body, Nurse Jackie? Because <laughs> you kind of already mentioned it. Cow. Yeah, you mentioned for a straight jacket, but what's going to happen to your body? So with that, it's they're they're losing the blood flow. They're going to end up with blood clots. They're going to end up with again the muscle atrophy. Um, my whole thing is is even even if. Like, and I hate to say this because I know I, I'm pretty sure Ray, if he hears this, he's going to be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's just the dirty aspect of it. And if a rat, you know, they're smelling skin and dirt and this and that, a rat's going to be curious. It comes over and cuts oh, them geez. or bites them. That wound yeah. is not going to heal or that cut's not going to heal because they have no nutrition. They have nothing at that point. So it's like, oh, my God. Just That's why I, I firmly believe that Poe went for a walk through Eastern State and then wrote the Pit and the Pendulum. Changed my mind. <laughs> I researched it, and it doesn't. It says it was by the Spanish Inquisition. I'm like, no, honey. I think it's Eastern State. But <laughs> so you kind of mentioned it, too. Like, you cut off the circulation. You have their limbs swelling and then turning mm-hmm. black, obviously. Yeah. So after this, they would they could lose a limb, but they would definitely be crippled, as you're already saying. Uh, at least, I think it was like at least one death came from, oh, that was the iron gag, but like people died because of this chair. I, I'm, yeah, I was going to say, ugh. I'm surprised that there's not more because well, any blood loss to your legs is going to cause swelling, which of course is horrible as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't keep it, proper documentation because they don't want to be like, oh yeah, we killed thousands <laughs> of people. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We know that 1,400 <laughs> people officially died at Eastern State. So, wow. Yep. How are you feeling? Oh, my leg is black. Oh, you're fine. Walk it off, champ. 
Anyway. And that's all just from, that's all from blood that has not been able to go back up into the body. So like the dark red and the dark, dark colors are super, super bad. And it's, you're not getting the oxygen to your muscles. So your muscles are just deteriorating and dying. So this is a random question, but you know, I've had a ring stuck on my finger and my fingers gotten purple. <laughs> how long would it take? Like really, even for an extremity, if I, if you were tied down, how quickly could you end up losing that limb? It just, it varies, I guess, on by size and okay. things like that. Um, I know, like I said, I told you guys before is with restraints now, um, it's, it's a two hour minimum maximum. Okay. You have to release those restraints within two hours and you always have to make sure that you can get a certain amount of fingers in between them. So, you know, you're not cutting off circulation. Yeah. Um, but I can only imagine that the muscle and tissue would die off pretty quickly if there's nothing going to there. Like there's, you know, your blood has oxygen in it. It's, yeah, it's reviving yeah. your muscles and it's not getting in that. Yeah. It's like you holding your breath. How long is it going to take for you to yeah. like pass out? So. All right. <laughs> I know from our stop the bleed training that tourniquets can like be applied and stay there for hours. Cause and, the blood, you don't lose the blood. Yeah. Uh, and you know the extremity will still survive. Okay. So I don't I don't remember how many hours. Probably like Max you said, two, two hours. You yeah. know, that okay. would make yeah. sense. But well, yeah. You, if you're applying a tourniquet like in a school, the hope is that you're going to have yeah, a right. doctor or nurse there. <laughs> Pretty um, darn quick. Hopefully, well, I don't know. You know, as long as I called, I provided I provided medical. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so then the last form of torture that I want to discuss is the iconically horrifying iron gag. Oh, gosh. So <laughs> this thing, oof. It was something. Yeah. Just thinking about it freaks me out. Did you do research on that, Jackie? I did not because like, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I acted it out for Laura and Ray and Ray's like, oh, my. <laughs> he was not okay with it. Because when you read it off paper, it sounds ha- awful, but you can't imagine it. Like, you have to put yourself in that physical, like, position to understand just how despicable it was. Do you want to discuss the iron gag? So, uh, a mouthpiece was put into your mouth, similar to a bridle for a horse. And your arms were restrained behind your back and then attached to the mouthpiece. So, anytime your hands dropped the mouthpiece would dig into your tongue and like cut your tongue open. Yeah. And so now your listeners can't see this, but imagine that you take your arms and you put it behind you, right? Like you, mm-hmm. uh, and I but you're like, you know, getting chained up by, um, maybe you're getting, let's put like in handcuffs, Yeah. but no, it's worse. You put it up, up to the top of your back and your wrists are twisted, almost like you have handcuffs. And so, you look like this. So it's like you're itching between your shoulder blades. Yeah. With yeah. both hands. Okay. And the chains are hooked onto your wrists. Imagine like, you know, you have, they would use straps, but imagine you're like using handcuffs. And from there, mm-hmm. the chains are wrapped around to the mouthpiece. And so if you drop your hands on, because that's obviously not a very comfortable position to be in, it would rip apart your mouth. There are stories of people what? losing their tongues. Was the gag the the actual bar that was put in your mouth? Did it have spikes or was it just a, a bar? Or? It was a rounded piece that went in and yes, it would shred your mouth. Yeah. It looked almost like a little metal tongue that was inserted on top of your tongue, like into your mouth. Oh, Lord. Yeah. If you, if you research iron gag, you can see what it's, it looks so <laughs> simple, 
but when you apply it, good lord. <laughs> like, yeah. So um, I actually copied this um, almost word for word from the two books that I'd used. So let me just paint a picture with their their words because I like the way oh, they put it. Yes. This punishment was considered to be the deadliest and was used on those who did not obey the rule of staying quiet. So if you don't talk, now you're never going to talk because you lost your tongue. Okay. An iron collar was clamped onto the tongue of the prisoner and chains were then attached to the prisoner's wrists. The wrists were strung up behind their backs in such a way that a simple movement of their arms would elicit immense pain in their mouths. It would result in the tearing and bleeding of the inmate's tongue and, of course, the insides of the mouth in general. For those inmates who did not lose their tongues, they still suffered significant blood loss. Most inmates would die from this torture. Yeah, because there's, like there's like a main ar- artery or something in your tongue, right? Yeah. That, like, yeah. If that gets nicked. Well, you're asking your medical expert, and she said yes. Yeah, exactly. That's why I put the right in there. <laughs> right? <laughs> if any of your teens are listening to this, this is why when they pierce the tongue, they have to go to a specialist because you can hit that artery yeah. and bleed out. Yeah. Please go to a certified person, my teen listeners. To get <laughs> when to you're 18. <laughs> when you're 18. <laughs> no, but like, so can you stop the artery from bleeding or will it just continue? Like, will it ever stop or? Like, I'm thinking of like, you know, blood loss. I mean, there's there's got to be a way to. How are you like, going to apply pressure? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You can't cauterize it, I guess. You can't the tongue. You can't apply yeah. pressure. You can't, you know. Yeah. And then, because like people had their tongues removed and survived, you know, like well, I guess if you if you put a nice hot poker in there, yeah, yeah, you cauterize it, you're right. That's true. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) my mouth just hurt. I know. (laughs) Oh, oh, my tongue's gone. Ow, you just burned it. (laughs) Oh no, it'd be like that. (laughs) The metal in the mouth on the teeth, Mm, and like how much damage did they do to their teeth? Oh, okay. Well, we damaged your teeth, so now we're gonna go take you to our dentist. So you're allowed to have. We're gonna yank them all out. Uh, but you have to pay for the pain medication when we yank them. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I lived through orthodontistry, so did PJ. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they will rip your lip and stuff because they're braces. That mm. is nothing compared to how this oh, is yeah. described. Nothing. <laughs> I will take orthodontistry for 300 Thank you, Alex Trebek. Good Lord. So as everyone says, like, if one place is going to be haunted, it's going to be ESP, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing else that I could think of. So I have a whole bunch of spooky stuff, but you have a mad doctor that you want to discuss. Ah, yes. So I would like you to take it away, PJ, okay. and tell us your story. I would like to tell the story of Dr. Bacon, not Kevin Bacon. I'm s- Dr. Bacon? Dr. Bacon. <laughs> Was he oh. sizzling? I feel like I have to like him just because he's got yeah. bacon in his name. Was he sizzling hot? Yum. <laughs> I could eat you up. This is supposed to be a spooky podcast, Yana. So in order to tell the story of Dr. Bacon. I like how you pull out your old-fashioned journal <laughs> to do this. He got a, I got, we got the rent fair, right? Or was this the oh, Amazon? I got the rent fair like 13 years ago, something like that. It's his fancy book. It is. Nice. So, in order to tell the story of Dr. Bacon, I have to first tell the story of of John Frankfurt. Have you heard of John Frankfurt? Well, they have Frankfurt, like hot dogs. Frankfurt. Oh. Yeah, no, not Frankfurt. So, John Frankfurt was a notorious horse thief. All right. And he was, um, 
like very charismatic about it where the locals were never like concerned about his presence there's like oh it's just john stealing <laughs> someone's horse again it's fine and he would like you know sell one horse and then steal another and then ride that one off and <laughs> uh he was arrested over 20 times in a very short period uh in 25 years uh Jeez. From 1860 to 1885. He was also very good at escaping prisons. He didn't take prisons very seriously at all. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> to the point where Lancaster Jail got so sick of him that they built a special cell just for him. This is John's room when he comes to visit. He My own room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he quickly cut out of it and escaped through the chimney. Of course. <laughs> He's Santa Claus <laughs> the opposite way. So that was in 1881. In 1885, he gets arrested again. And this time he goes to Eastern State. Bomb, bomb, bomb. He never <laughs> escapes. Uh, he wasn't with the right people. <laughs> yeah, right? He yeah. didn't have a special room. <laughs> he missed that window. Uh, but uh, because they weren't allowed to talk and everything like that, his daughter Maggie would come to visit and they would have to like sneak questions when the guards weren't looking. And one of the things he was able to tell her was, quote, Maggie, life here is not your own. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, so that's the opening to Dr. Bacon. Uh, yeah. To, to a point. There's a little bit more about him. Oh, sorry. Okay. I thought that was like a hint towards Dr. Bacon. I was like, my, my. No. Uh, <laughs> so he became a model prisoner in hopes that he'd get out early on good behavior. Good behavior. Uh, he was also put in charge of the dogs because he's good with animals. <laughs> well yeah he keeps stealing the horses he's got to be good <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> he'll steal the dogs and the bunnies all right uh he um to the point where like some of the dogs got into a fight and he went to break it up and he lost an eye over it Aww. and uh from there so yeah he was called one-eyed john after that <laughs> one-eyed john uh the bike got pretty infected Aww. um but when he died uh he was 58 years old uh, he got he fell ill and uh, died January twentieth, eighteen ninety six. And even though he was locked away for well over a decade, his obituary was front news, front page news. Aww, one eyed <laughs> Joan Frankfurt, the horse. Thief. They were like, "Don't worry, your horses are safe now." <laughs> Good news. <laughs> so when his daughter Maggie got to see the body, though, it was mangled. Uh, to quote her, she used the term mutilated. Uh, she said, uh, he has bruises all, oh, no, wait, this is, uh, someone else. Um, a museum, uh, person, what's the word? Curator? Not curator. Historian? But yeah, historian. I so a, a historian says, um, quote, he has bruises all over his body and he has sewn mark, uh, he has sewn marks and his skull is cut open. And uh, so, so there were lobotomies. No, okay. The, the top of his skull appeared to have been opened and then sloppily stitched back together with some sort of twine. Mm. His stomach was cut open too, and intestines were autopsy? spilling out. She so asked autopsy. Yes. So John Bacon was the doctor uh, for uh, quite a while at Eastern State, and he was um fairly good at his job you know people went in sick and came back feeling better and everything like that except when it came to frankfurt oh no <laughs> you took my horse now i'll take your eye so um an inmate named alexander leadsley uh These though names. though some reports say leapsner 
uh, claimed to have answers uh, about what why he was cut up like this. Leedsley uh, was in for a second-degree murder, and like Frankfurt, he was from Lancaster. And after being released from prison, he contacted Maggie and told her what he had seen. On the morning of January 21st, 1896, he had been out of a cell working on a construction project and decided to sneak over to the hospital wing to see a sick friend. Aww. He seems to think very highly of Frankfurt. Apparently, he was well-liked, said Newman, another inmate. Yeah. Frankfurt had been staying in the hospital wing, cell block three, supposedly falling in and out of consciousness. It was cold and snowing, and Leedsley looks around and then across the yard and sees Frankfurt lying on a table naked. And then the doctor, the prison physician, is working on him. And this is how he describes it. Frankfurt is dead, and Leedsley inches closer. He tries not to be seen. He doesn't want to be discovered. And he sees Dr. Bacon remove Frankfurt's heart and put it on the snow. Presumably to keep it fresh. Then he's working on a skull. He opens it up, takes out the brain, and sets that on the snow, too. This is the story according, according to a deposition Leedsley later gave to authorities. Newman's co-worker found the document by chance at a flea market in 2014. What? Yeah. It really wow. struck Newman. She was drawn to stories inside these prison walls and of course, yeah. the notion of personal autonomy even after death. She spent hours transcribing the faded antique cursive. Uh, so it came about where the doctor just said like he, he admitted to it. He's like, I just wanted to see what the insides of a career criminal looked like. And there were inmates who saw him walking around with a bucket of entrails. Oh, no. Yeah. So autopsy, but science, the idea that maybe the psychot, like the brain of someone who's like psychotic is different. That whole idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, it wasn't like an, that's like an old fashioned idea, right, Jackie? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's like the old world MRI right there. (laughs) I'm thinking of like young, cause I'm not a doctor. Something of young Frankenstein. What kind of brain did you get? Abby something. Abby, Abby normal. (laughs) (laughs) My brain goes to that. But yeah, y.org, they talk about how, um, like it, a couple years before all this in 1882 uh body snatching was a pretty big thing uh, yeah uh there were 1493 medical students in need of bodies to dissect and uh yeah so there were only like so many that you could legally get a hold of and since prisons weren't really good at keeping track of this kind of paperwork <laughs> who knows how many went Hey, Went off to college. Modern day, some colleges aren't even at their Ivy League. So yeah, Ugh. even like med students were reported to have going out and digging up graves and things like mm. that. If they saw the fresh grave was you know ju- just made, that they would go out and grab Basis the body. Of Frankenstein, right there. Hmm. Ugh. So he wasn't like a mad mad doctor though. No, no. Uh, I was Not like, imagine so I had Dr. Mengele, but it's still pretty gross. Uh, yeah, it's still, <laughs> it's still worth noting. It's Pennsylvania. He's not wrong. Put that on ice and uh, put it on the snow in January, Pennsylvania. It's going to be good. It's good for a <laughs> while. <laughs> it's cold. But again, we're just like, oh, it's 10 degrees. I'll put on my T-shirt now. So, oh, gloves today? Was, nah, I'm fine. No gloves. That was actually pretty smart of him to do that. But it, you said it was 18 when, PJ? 1896? Was it 1896? Is that when he died? No, it was earlier than 1882? 82 was the body snatching stuff. I thought you said 1896 he died. passed in 97. 97. I was one year off. Okay, yeah, yeah. You were close. 
I mean, if you think about it, though, back then, they weren't doing autopsies. They weren't performing any of that. So they really didn't know. I mean, other than the schools, they didn't know what was inside the bodies. And even nowadays, we still don't know what's going on in the brain. You know, there's That's so true. much yeah. that we oh, don't yeah. know. So I, I think that I think the brain and, is fascinating, actually. <laughs> I kind of, it's, it's fascinating to me that he pulled the heart and the brain because the heart is one of the organs that we do know a lot about, but it's only because of, you know, all of the stuff that we've done to figure it out. But mm-hmm. well, I think like World school, War Two, like you don't want to admit that what the Nazis were doing was like, it was helpful. We learned a lot medically, but yeah. at a horrible cost, oh, you yeah. know? Yeah. Horrible. That's cost. probably, I mean, all it was is that it was, it sounds like a very curious doctor wanting to know and um, what's going on. Yes, he probably did it wrong. Yes, he <laughs> did all these things horrible to this person. And then it was like, here's your dad all tore up. But yeah, it's, yeah, again, like I told you guys before, the medical field, we only learn by doing some really barbaric stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh. laughs> all right. Anything else you want to add? What else do you have for us? This I have ghostly stories. Ooh, perfect. All Ooh. right. So I'll start off with the general stuff that happens here that's spooky. So I'm like, I'm doing spooky spoops, not spooky spoops. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Don't worry, I got the spooky stuff. Okay, good, good. Someone's got it tonight. <laughs> so when all the prisoners were shipped off in the early 70s, um, I'm quoting the texts here. It said, the guards would speak to each other in hushed voices and tell stories to anyone who would listen without thinking them crazed that they they gave tales of sounds of painful wailing, footsteps in the hallways, pacing within the walls of uninhabited cells, and unexplainable shadows darting about. So these stories have been around since 71 when ESP was shut down. When the guards were all being shut down the prison, everyone's already gone except for them. They were seeing and hearing some stuff. Mm-hmm. So, again, I like to see that consistency across years. If there's a consistency, I'm more apt to believe that it's haunted. So, some things that they said specifically were they would hear phantom screams and maniacal laughter. I don't know about you, but if I hear either of those, I'm (laughs) outie. No, that, Goofy, what are you doing here? Anyway, um, in the guard tower, there is a ghostly figure that's seen standing there. And people who take pictures of it at night will get orbs. Like, right where that person should be standing. But they've Ooh. seen a, a, a dark, shadowy figure just there standing, yeah. keeping guard. Which I read in a, a fairly recent article that, like, the guard tower is inaccessible now, too. You can't get up there. Mm-hmm. So, to see, like, a humanoid figure up there is pretty hmm. incredible. Yeah. It is not us. Okay. So, then in cell block six, people have reportedly seen a person going into a cell only to find no one there when going to check. So they're actually physically seeing a person walk in. So I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. And it's been set mul- uh, mentioned multiple times over multiple years. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm more apt to believe that. In the infirmary, the very small medical ward, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people, this is interesting. People just feel like they're being watched and they get this really weird, like, sense, like, like almost like this oppressive feeling. They also hear whispers there. So they kind of just say it feels very heavy. And it's not because you know that he was doing autopsies. It just feels different like we mentioned in, in our in part one you get a feeling when you're there but in the mm-hmm. infirmary it's like very very heavy um so i thought that was just that's just all that they don't have like caught anything there but that was kind of interesting now death row does freak me out for a couple reasons 
first off, a shadow figure was seen running down the hallway um, there. Um, people have refused to go back in there, including workers. And I think that was the place that Carrie mentioned in part two that she refused to go afterward or her friend did because something had, like they saw something like it was, it was scary. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I was there twice and I just, you, it is a feeling when like you, you know, you know, it's death row, but it, there's a mood there. There is a tone set. But there's also, they hear whispers um, and, like, steps in the courtyard. And so when PJ was putting up pictures earlier, the courtyard actually was there. Death Row had its own um, workout area. And so mm-hmm. what's kind of, like, just heartbreaking that I listened to when I was there this last time for the audio tour that I, I didn't learn the previous time was that when they were allowed to go out for their half hour, you know, outside time, they would just put their shoulders, their one shoulder against the wall and walk along the wall and like whisper and talk to themselves. They would just keep doing that for the time they were there. That freaks me out. Yeah. Cause wow. like, yeah, that means like, that means like you're, you're mentally broken, right? Like I, I don't, I'm not a yeah. psychologist, but like that's stuff you see like in psych yeah. wards, right? That's, that's, yeah, yeah. You see a lot of the pacing in circles and, and just the, the talking to, again, you put these people in solitary confinement. Who do you think they're going to talk to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My yeah. friend, Bob. <laughs> yeah. I, so like, but just imagining like when you see that query, like, oh, it just gives you that kind of like really, I don't want to say dirty, but like you feel creeped out, but also so sad for them. Mm-hmm. And then that's, you don't, you, yeah. don't, you don't want to feel sad because they're on death row, but you're also like, that's, oh, that's something. Yeah. But yeah, I, People have refused to go back there because they've seen someone running, like the shadow figure. Um, there is the famous story of a, a locksmith who was there. So his name was Gary Johnson. Um, he was working on some rusted locks. And um, <laughs> while he was there, he felt like he was being watched. And he wouldn't really think much of it because he's working and there's people working there too, right? So he doesn't really think about it. He kind of keeps checking and looking but doesn't really see anybody. But at one point... He really feels someone homing in on him. Like he can feel it. And so he looks up expecting to see that person watching him and there's no one there, which creeps him out because he could feel it. So finally, he does see a black shadow jump across the hallway toward him and then it ran off. And, and, and Gary's like, I'm out of here. Now in, <laughs> in different, um, articles, I read in one, and again, this was the online version. So I didn't want to like believe it versus the books that have been, you know, researched. One article online said that when he got the lock to unlock and he opened the door, he saw a whole bunch of faces, almost like he opened up a different portal to somewhere. Yeah, that's what I have from NPR. Okay, is that what you have there? Yeah. Do you want to read it? So I have uh, in the early 90s when they first opened up as a museum, mm-hmm. uh, he was opening up an old lock in cell block four. Mm-hmm. And uh, then a force gripped him so tightly he couldn't move. Then a horrible negative energy exploded from the cell. He saw faces on the walls and one form that beckoned to him. Yeah. And so in the books, Mark Nesbitt, that's not in there. But in other articles, that's there. So I'm not sure, like, if he changed his story or if people added on to it or if he was there twice. But in cell block four, other people have actually seen faces in the cells in that block. Mm-hmm. So that does lend some credence to that. So I'm not sure, like maybe like those stories kind of got amalgamated together or what. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you. Please don't. No, no touchy, no touchy yeah. <laughs> trying to work, <laughs> trying to work. 
Um, one particular spirit has been seen in the older part of the prison by many people. It's said that he just stands there perfectly still. And you can see it's just this black form of a person. And he just stands there. Sometimes completely unnoticed. But if you go towards him, he dashes away. Hmm. That to me is even creepier. Like, I don't, like, it, it's there. Like, yeah. it's blocking out the sunlight. <laughs> It knows you're coming and it runs. <laughs> That's something mean- that happens in portals to hell is they have like, you know, night vision camera on this, you know, hallway. And then something just goes in front of the light of one of the cells. Yeah. And then they go back and they like manually turn the light off with a switch and then back on. You know, they just flick it, uh, you know, trying to imitate yeah. the, you know, that hat, that phenomena. And it looked 100% different. They're like some, it's literally something walking in front of this light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have a, a, a really nice haunting. All right. So nice ghost. <laughs> Pep the dog has been seen and heard <laughs> by multiple people. All right. Because he had free reign of the prison when he was alive because he was, you know, <laughs> donated. And he was there to make everyone happy. So in the afterlife, he is still there making people happy. Thank you, Pep, for your service to our country. <laughs> So, yay, Pep. <laughs> <laughs> so before I go into Al Capone, mm-hmm. do you have any other spoopy stuff? Yes. All right. So I want to start off with Ben Bookman, who is a guide or was a guide at okay. Eastern State. And uh, he says, quote, it's a lot harder to find a believer than it is to find a skeptic here. Uh, we at Eastern State do not claim that the prison is haunted. We just run a haunted attraction. So you believe it's not haunted? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that that's a, you know I, I, the I other side that. of it. Yeah. yeah, that's the other side of it. Um, there's the soap lady who uh, she's in the second story because that's where the women were mm-hmm. uh, in the last cell of one of the blocks. I couldn't find which block. That's okay. Yeah. But you just see her sitting. Uh, she's a woman in white and she's just sitting in one of the cells. Then why she call a soap lady? I don't know. I tried to look that up. Like, if she was washing her hands a lot, like a Hillview, that's cool. Yeah, right. No. She whittling soap? Do you whittle soap? <laughs> I know you could like, do it's soap carving. Sorry, soap carving. So, Dr. also Pink. from Portals to Hell, they interviewed two people who worked there. Okay. And uh, one guy, oh, one guy was a uh, just a visitor, sorry. And uh, his name was Zach Heiner. And uh, he did a ghost tour somewhere around 2018, 2019, depending on when it was filmed. Mm-hmm. I don't know when. Uh, but he was in cell block one and he went into a cell alone with the door shut and he felt something on his back and he thought he just like bumped into the wall. Yeah, okay. So he turned around and heard a giggle and he turned, uh, then he heard when he turned back towards the door, he heard, watch your back. Yeah. And he saw a white face with dark eyes staring at him. Oh, which is the hood. The hood. Yeah. Uh, he said he couldn't sleep afterwards, and um, well, yeah. If you saw that, how would it be sleeping? <laughs> yeah, right. Those hoods are scary. Yeah. Uh, one of the um, guys who currently works there, Matt Murphy, he was like showing Jack Osborne around mm-hmm. and everything, and he said that people see shadows walking up and down the mm-hmm. halls or from cell to cell, and people get like this overwhelming pressure reported that's um, what i feel when i'm there yeah yeah uh Feels like a brick on your chest mm-hmm. the other one is a worker there who she does she's one of the actors during the the haunted times yeah 
um, terror, terror behind terror the behind walls. walls. It's not that anymore. It's you know the Honda attraction. Yeah, whatever it's called now. And uh, since <laughs> COVID, whatever. Yeah. And she said, um, she went into a cell alone and heard something growling and pacing in the cell with her. Oh my. And then she felt you know. a yeah no uh, nope no thanks but then she felt a forceful oh, me. I forgot I'm in the wrong place excuse me I forgot my my food in the oven I gotta go <laughs> but then she felt a forceful push from the front and uh, after that she had insomnia and night terrors oh, wow. for a while yeah uh, which is similar to what Zach said he had, you know he had trouble sleeping afterwards Zach too Bagans Heiner. Okay, the, the guy who no, I was like, no. The guy who you bring us The guy who heard the the yeah. you know saw the hooded guy yeah. and all that. Uh, okay, yeah. So, and then uh, they also had the whispers. Yes, oh, there's a lot. Do we want to so, do that now? Yeah. So let's play the. This is portals to hell. Yes. Okay. So PJ found um, an excerpt, or excerpt, sorry, of a section, a clip, a clip if you will, um, that he wants to play. And then I'm going to go into Al Capone, and then I'm going to finish up with um, an actual like paranormal investigator and her team and all the things that they went through when they were there. Yep. Yes, because, again, I'm more apt to believe these things when more people have experienced it. And the stories I got out of the book were very honest, and it some of them were pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm and not sure. One thing before, oh, yeah. One thing before PJ goes into that, I think the heavy feeling and the feeling of being watched probably – the, the feeling of being watched kind of blows me away because they couldn't see anybody. They were always hooded. So how are they being watched? Or, you know, how how are they watching people? But that's like Laura Guards, said. Well, maybe. after 1913, that was done. There was no was more done. hooding. Yeah. Because they, they couldn't do it anymore. There was too many inmates. Mm-hmm. So in 1913, the, the entire PA system is gone and they bring in the New York system. And it becomes a regular prison. So it's probably oh, okay. from that. Because yeah, yeah. they had, they had people, two people to, to sell. They could open their cell doors sometimes. They would have common time in the courtyard. They played baseball. So it became a normal prison after then. So it's probably that. But also, and before that, you're working in the kitchen. You had to see what you were doing. Even if you're quiet, yeah. right? So there were times like when you had to look, mm-hmm. regardless. Yeah, the, um, there's a really incredible video I saw on YouTube of it's. There's a half hour long hundredth anniversary of the prison that was made, and it's a silent film. And uh, someone like edited it down to all just under nine minutes of footage and you get to see like the prison when it was operational in the 1920s, somewhere around there, twenties or thirties. And, uh, uh, you know, none of them are wearing hoods or anything though. It's all out in the open and you get to see like the prison operating in the quote unquote modern mm-hmm. stage of it. Yeah. For better. Or that would explain the screams and all of that, that they're hearing then. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And the growl that she heard, you, you can open, you know, you're sharing your screen, so go ahead and share your screen. Yep. Um, but the growl she heard, like, that could be someone who has gone clinically insane, or it could be a demon, right? Like, because demons would be connected to this <laughs> place. Jeez, wow. that just started. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, Jack Osborne, and your team for that. Oh, I have to share my sound. <clears throat> I was like, I don't hear anything. <laughs> oh, I did. Whew. I woke up. Okay, so it's Kind of hard to hear, so I'm going to try to, like, go back to it a couple times, and they do too. But the producer, Austin, he's holding a camera, and he hears someone right next to his ear uh, whisper. And it's very indistinct, uh, and no one else heard it at the time, but his camera did pick it up. 
Ooh. And so it, it's just going to sound like, but it's it's there. You just have to mm-hmm. listen for it. So I'm going to turn it up a little bit more here. All right, here we go. Oh, it, it sounds like almost like um, you're like a like a sound. Yeah. 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 Almost like you're scratching, like you're scratching a a recording or whatever. Like, yeah. So, I mean, take it, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but but still pretty cool. Still pretty cool. That's all you got for me. Yeah. It's nothing (laughs) like the Bridgewater Triangle clip, you know, or last week's EVP even. Oh, yeah. Carrie's EVP like that is. See, she she got excited to hear it. Yeah, it's I know. I feel bad because again, like to our <laughs> listeners, we record whenever we can with our with our experts, yeah. and then we you know put the episodes out. But Carrie's EVP, wow, it is yeah. cool. All right, so I want to go back and discuss Al Capone, yes. and then I'm gonna flash forward then to another Let paranormal investigator uh, because she tells her first and experiences, and her team also chime in. It's in the book. It's really cool. But for Al Capone, as you already mentioned earlier, uh, Jackie, obviously he was there uh, for a little while. And then after that, he goes to Alcatraz. Um, but he was incarcerated <laughs> at ESP for eight months due to illegal weapons in Pennsylvania. Of all the things, that's what he was there for. <laughs> um, <laughs> while he was there, uh, he had a cell. Some people say it was larger or more finely furnished than others. Um, it's not totally true. His was maybe a little above average. Um, so the first time he went years ago, it was decked out gorgeous. And then this time he went, it was much more plain because with more research and all that kind of stuff, they realized, no, it was a little better, but not great. Uh, he did have murals in the walls or he had painting and a was, record player yeah. and things like that. So it was like, there was painting as when they were peeling back, they did find like layers of different like types of paint. So he did have that. But, but in any case, um, he did have a nicer life while he was there. He could meet with his lawyers and stuff. So, but in any case, the most interesting accounts that we have are that he believed he was being haunted by a ghost named Jimmy. Um, uh, the accounts mentioned that Al Capone believed it was the ghost of James Clark, a.k.a. Jimmy, who was a man lost in the murder uh, at the Moran gang when he actually was in Chicago because Al Capone had ordered them gunned down. So James Clark had been killed in that. I'm going to call it a massacre. Yes, it was the Valentine's Day massacre. Yes. I have that all written. Up. Good. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he believes that this is yeah. James Clark. So according to the guards, they would hear Capone begging Jimmy to leave him alone and shut up. <laughs> but mostly like, leave me alone. And um, uh, some people say they saw Jimmy, but uh, Capone's valet, Jaime Cornish, actually said like he saw Clark's spirit. Like he saw the physical manifest, like the, the spiritual form, the specter of him. So it may actually be true. But Al Capone would continually say, Jimmy, leave me alone. And he thought he was being haunted. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to add to this? So uh, Jimmy was – so let's back up a little bit. Yes. Uh, Al Capone was – a competitor with uh, George Bugs Morin. And so Bugs uh, was, uh, you know, like a top gang. Mafia gang. Mafia guy. Yeah. Uh, mostly bootlegging. And, uh, was a time period for bootlegging, yeah. That's and right. Jimmy <laughs> was his brother-in-law. Oh. And so there were seven of them in this uh, storehouse, and the police knock on their door. And, you know, they open it up because it's the cops and all that. And they all get gunned down immediately because it was just Al Capone's men dressed as cops. 
And so that's, and it was on Valentine's Day. So that was the Valentine's Day mm-hmm. massacre. Uh, now, uh, then he, he went to Alcatraz, uh, for tax evasion. That was, that was after ESP though, right? Yeah. After, yeah. after ESP. And Jimmy followed him. Of course. Uh, then he ended up spending a lot of time in the Alcatraz hospital because of it. He hired a medium to try to get rid of Jimmy. And that didn't work. <laughs> Get rid of Jimmy. <laughs> he should have ordered a large. <sighs> Waiting all day for that, haven't you? Medium. Or I, I I might have written written it down. Of course. I didn't, but I might have. Uh, then he. So uh, I put up with Jackie. <laughs> um, but then. Uh, it was found out that he had syphilis. Yeah, and this is that was like dementia coming from the syphilis, or like yeah, because sy- syphilis will make its way to your brain and cause hallucinations and things. Jackie like Jackie knows she's the medical expert. Yeah, he spent many t- many years in a mental institution before uh, eventually passing away in his mm-hmm. Florida state, and he had the mental age of a seven year old by the uh, end of it. Oh. Don't also, don't go on. He killed people, so yeah, but. <laughs> Um, so to add on to that, Jimmy followed him to Alcatraz. Yeah. 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 And to the mental hospital afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was reading, just reading up on it. He, Jimmy went with him over to Alcatraz and then his suffering from syphilis. Um, he had known that he had syphilis for quite some mm-hmm. time. But, yeah. yeah. But he, he didn't, you know, wouldn't go for treatment or anything for it. Well, was there really treatment no, back then? Not much. Or, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, just go lick some penicillin off of some, or some some uh, bacteria. Some off green <laughs> stuff on bread might help, but it might kill you. We don't know. Um, I I read that and I thought, okay, maybe it's fake. But people saw Jimmy Specter, which is interesting. Yeah, because yeah. there's a story that they, he actually had a, an apartment, or whatever, in Chicago not long after this had been done, and Jimmy started in the, the that apartment first, and his bodyguards, like, they heard him shouting at Jimmy then, like, mm-hmm. get out of here, the meal, and the guards came in, and he's, uh, things were like, things, something had moved or whatever, and they, they knew that their boss wasn't crazy. And then, of course, he goes to jail in Pennsylvania. Jaime, his valet, sees the ghost. Then, of course, on he goes, on he goes. So it could be mental illness. It could be, you know, the ghost. We, we don't yeah. know. That's kind of cool that Al Capone had his own ghostly thing happening. Yep. All right. So now I want to finish up with Kathleen Driver's experience. So I mentioned her book. She is the the major research that I used for this section along with Mark Nesbitt. Um, so she goes in knowing the stories of ESP. She takes her team. She's, she's loaded down all the paranormal stuff, all the EVP stuff. She, the, the first part, she's like, my pants were like way down by all the stuff I'm carrying and it's wet outside. So I'm sloshing through. Um, so she's very honest in her writing. So she said at first they see shadows, no surprise. And so they tried to debunk it, just like you mentioned, you know, with lights and whatnot, but mm-hmm. there are shadows moving. So she has to recognize that that's happening and they get excited because, okay, they, they have the first thing, right? They also, um, they're walking through cell block two and they hear whispering. And so they pull out their EVPs and they're recording. And later when they play it back, the recording is, is later someone going, psst, 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 <laughs> right? But cause you were allowed to talk. So hey. yeah. Hey. <laughs> And that was knock knock. <laughs> no, 
And that was, when I look at the, the timestamps on the recordings, the, the camera and the EVP, it was right after one of the um, cameramen slash investigator says, I just felt somebody grab me from the bars because there's bars in some of the different places. Oh, wow. And he felt some hand come out like fingers and try to grab at him. And then they hear, psst, psst. <laughs> so that's actually pretty cool. Wow. So she does offer a funny story because they stop in a cell and they try to talk, you know, with the EVPs. You know, if you're here, say something. And nothing really happens, but they're all in a circle. So it's just them. There's no one behind them, right? <laughs> so they're there saying, say something. And somebody slaps her on the tush. And she's like, there are people here. <laughs> and they just got a little too physical. Um, so they made themselves known because at least she's like, make yourselves known. Well, they did. Um, so it's actually, wow. she makes it as a joke. She's like, at least they're playful, right? Um, but anyway, after that, as they're walking through, she and a couple investigators feel a chill in their neck. And then it feels like they're actually like being tickled by something. Almost like there's a, like a spider crawling on there. Yes. <laughs> That, so that's when she's just like, you know what? Maybe I'm not happy with this because it's getting a little too touchy. <laughs> the slap on the tush tush was okay, but this, I don't know about this. See, that um, happened to me this morning, but it was on my leg. And I freaked, I freaked out. It was our cat Binks. Binks. Just oh. rubbing, rubbing my leg with <laughs> oh, his paw. Oh, Binksy. <laughs> um, so then they continue to walk and she feels a cold rush past her ear, which I experienced on the the basement landing steps. So like, I know it, it's the weirdest sensation. It's this rushing wind that goes past mm -hmm. you, but it's right by your ear. And in that moment, she heard a whisper say, meet me here. And she's like, uh, uh, uh. uh what? <laughs> now for me, I heard, you know, get out, but you know, they, this person wants to meet her. So I'm a little jealous. Um, but so then added to that, her, the other investigator named Dinah, she tells her story that she's, she feels freezing cold. Now, Carrie mentions in part two that when she's there, she feels ice cold constantly. She can wear sweaters and it's like 90 degrees yeah. and humid and she's freezing in there. That's, that's the response she has. That's what Dinah has. So she has to go outside and she has to get a, a coat on, put a coat on to try and serve her hands are frozen and it's literally warmer outside for her than it is in the cell blocks. And a couple of investigators also said like, yeah, my hands are cold. Feel them like they're freezing. They go outside and they feel fine. And it's warmer outside. Wow. Hmm. And it's at nighttime. So that was just kind of interesting. I mentioned cell block four before because that was the where Gary Johnson had his issue. Um, in cell block four, Catherine felt an overwhelming sadness and her eyes teared up. Now, she didn't say anything because she's going to be the professional, you know, investigator. But she does mark that, like, I feel really sad. And my, like, my eyes are tearing up. Why am I sad? You know, because nothing going on. Um, but then as she's talking to one of her other investigators who's are walking in a line, the other member stated that she cried the whole time that she was in cell block four and she couldn't explain why. And she's like behind Catherine. Mm. So that was just interesting. They had the same reaction, that same visceral response in their body. Right. Yeah. But like, I just, I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying. Oh man. Um, and like, I went on there. I feel sad. I, I have that sense of sadness too. So I understand that. Um, now they, at that point, they stop and they do an EVP session because obviously they're having some kind of like physical, like physiological response. And they ask a series of questions. And after a while, they're like, you know what? What are some things that make people sad? Well, do you miss home? Because you're stuck in a jail, right? So they ask, are you missing home? When they play back the EVP later, they hear, they hear a male voice go, I am. And it's clear oh. as day. And you're like, oh, <laughs> 
so that's why we're crying. Okay. So again, like, it's kind of cool that she has all, like, when they check the, the footage later and all the VPs, a very clear, I, I am. Um, they said then the, you mentioned like, are they hearing themselves talking? Are they hearing you? You had asked that earlier. I think sometimes because the sounds are like, you know, reverberating, you are hearing yourself because it's, it's a mm-hmm. crazy experience, but they knew that going in. So after okay. they finished a cell block, they set up a camera. It's turned on and they leave it there and they go do the rest of the prison because there's lots of cell blocks to go through and they leave it there and they come collect it later. So when they play back the camera footage, um, late, they find on the video the sound of a jingle of keys and footsteps. Like there's a guard walking and it goes right past ah. the camera. You could hear it like walk over the camera and continue. And there's jingling keys and no one was carrying keys and no one was in the cell block. Ah. So wow. yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, after that, this one actually was scary and she almost like I would have shut down the investigation if it was me. So another investigator stated that they were alone in a cell because they went in there to get camera mm-hmm. footage and EVP. And when he turned to leave, he was shoved, like the other person mentioned, by something unseen. And he banged his head on the wall of the cell so badly that he significantly hurt himself. And he kind of said, like, I can't go any further because he was significantly hurt. Wow. Yeah. So there are some guys going, oh, you miss my home. Others like, ah. There was no growl (laughs) sound, Ah. though, before. Yeah. Um, But interestingly, because you mentioned the bad smell in part one of, like, you know, the the septic smell. Yeah. So, at, great plumbing. <laughs> yeah, hmm, at the chapel, they all smell something horrible. It smells like a dead rat wrapped in like whatever you can imagine. And she makes a joke in the text. She's like, "We asked, did anybody pass gas?" And no one's fastened up. So now we're like, it smells bad, and it is no one. Okay, because if you did it, please tell us. It's okay if you farted. Like, just please tell us. <laughs> but it smells like that. And But then they start feeling like someone's watching them, and they start feeling really uneasy, and they get that weight on them, and nobody wants to be there. And they're at the chapel of all places, mm-hmm. right? So they're kind of like, you know what? Let's all say the Lord's Prayer. And so they do, and when they say the Lord's Prayer and they finish, it, the smell dissipates. It's gone. And they no longer feel creeped out and, like, watched. So the Lord's Prayer wow. actually helped them. Yeah. Mm. So that was, like, basically what she went through. And then in her text, she also shows other paranormal investigators, like different teams from you know different companies, and like their stories that they passed on. But I wanted to focus just on her because it's her book. So I find it pretty fascinating. And I got to say, I think this place is haunted. And that's my personal viewpoint. So PJ, what do you think? No, I definitely do too. Yeah. yeah. Right. After your experience with all the tech too. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was frustrating. That was amazing. <laughs> So, Jackie, how about you? What do you think? Um, I think because of all of the suffering and pain that went on there that, yeah, if it's not residual, then it's it's a lot of, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone says, if anyone's going to, any place is going to be haunted, it's going to be that mm-hmm. and Penhurst, <laughs> but definitely yeah, well, ESP. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to come out here, we have a really cool basement you can sleep in, Jackie, and then we'll take you to <laughs> <Okay>. ESP. <laughs> I know it's all good, but I'm okay. I'll take a hotel, please. <laughs> I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> How's your couch in the living room, Shanna? I'll take that. I don't know. I heard stories about the attic, too, and the whole room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the living room's fine, actually. Oh, okay. No, no. No, I lied. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> Well, it's all good now, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. You may not sleep in my bed with me, though, Jackie. I will not hug you so you're safe and okay. 
Um, but we obviously were so thankful that you are here to help us understand the history, but also just the medical aspect, because I can make suppositions, but I don't know things like you do. <laughs> so I defer to the experts in the field. So thank you for being prepared and teaching us. I'm never going to forget now that it was 1960s where we had actual trained nurses, right. which is horrifying. <laughs> I just want to say thank you for all of your input and everything, too, because it's it's awesome to have like listeners interacting with us and stuff yeah. like that. So, <laughs> and you know, we always say, you know, please email us. But I, I fall in that same pit where I listen to Spooked all the time. I love that podcast. And they're always saying, you know, if you want to send a story in or talk to us, email us. And I'm like, I'd love to. And then I'm, but I'm driving. So you can't do it while you're driving and I forget about it. Yeah. So I fall yeah. in that pit too, where I totally forget to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that you actually take the time to email us because <laughs> I can't be mad at our other, you know, 10,000 downloads and listens because I'm one of those. <laughs> so yep. I am going to email Spooked at some point, but like, you want to hear my story? I take notes like I have my little notepad open when I listen to you guys and there's something I just I really quick just write a little note <laughs> to myself so when I do have the time to email I know what I wanted to say. I like that. <laughs> She's the next Carrie. Actually. <laughs> I will say because um, we started watching this show on HBO called A Ghost Ruins My Life and mm -hmm. uh, there's this one thing that like I completely forgot about when we told our stories a year ago on our podcast that that there's just this exhaustion that comes with a haunting. You're just annoying. You know? Like the exasperated. Yeah, in the in the fir the first episode, she talks about how like tired she is and exhausted she is from from everything and from just never being able to relax. And that, I was like, that's something that I completely forgot about that mm -hmm. we definitely experienced, you know. Yeah. But now you just turn the exhaustion into a podcast. No, yeah. our, no we had a baby named Alex. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, it's back again, my demon. Uh. I can't exercise this one, but I can exercise him. Huh. Go get running. Yeah. Wear him out. Yep. <laughs> but I have to say, we have enjoyed watching a ghost in my life. That's been a pretty cool episode. So if you, I, guess, I should say, um, series. So if you want to Netflix and binge, that's a good one to watch. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. Yeah, it reminds us of Paranormal Witness in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interviews with people and, you know, the actors act out, you know, their stories and things like that. And if they're in the house, they show you the house and, like, where things were happening. Yeah, a, a lot of the times, even if they moved out of the house, they go back to the house to do, do the interview, which is wow. neat. And the cool thing is, like, the technology will just, like, crap out. And they're like, we don't know what – we just changed the battery. And you hear the people go, no, th this happens all the time. Like, we're used to our tech just dying. Like, it's, it's totally Yeah, fun. like, the lights flicker during one of the interviews. And she's like, uh, did that the, – did the lights just go off? And they're like, yeah. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's like – but, you know, you're, you're like, yeah, we're used to it. Like, you're just – you're just done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, let's go back and have more of a Halloween party. We're just eh. – Yep. <laughs> eh. So anyway, thank you so much yes, uh, for being here. Thank you guys for having me. We'll bring you on again for something else medical. I promise. <laughs> All right. So good luck to everyone who has put their name in um, Labor Day Monday. So the day this is coming out is the day we draw a name on our spinny wheel. So we'll announce the winner to, uh, today at some point. So if you want to get your name in there last second, time to do it right now. And it's Labor Day. If you're at home relaxing, email us right now hop on facebook right. and say hi it will start a conversation and then we can build up like we did with jackie all right so and they get, do answer we That's do right if it's facebook and it's for wellhouse it's me like 95 percent of the time and then games are bored is pj yep 
Just straight up, it's BJ. Yep. <laughs> but thank you to all of our listeners for getting us well over the 10,000 mark now at this point. We are just so blessed. It's been less yeah. than a year, and we have loved this crazy ride that mm-hmm. we've been on. We've learned so much about technology and how to do this. So <laughs> we know that our pod has both all all the, the venues, Danger and Dice, Games Overboard, and Exorcism, they've all gotten way better because we've learned a lot. We've mm-hmm. taken your suggestions that you've sent us. We've gotten better technology. People yeah. are giving us free things to use, which is nice, too. So thank you to all of our freebies, like our pretty lights that we have that we're using. Um, but honestly, it's just because you guys make it so much fun. You know, we're, we're doing this really for you mm-hmm. and to get our story mm-hmm. out there. So please give us your stories. We want to hear from you. We are real people. And as I say every week, I'm stuck with a guy who thinks it's fun to tell dad jokes. <laughs> and he writes them down to prepare. So please. I might write them down. Please save me. This is supposed to be a spooky podcast. So please email us at gamesaboard.gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Remember, we are a subsidiary of Games Overboard. Um, Mm -hmm. Find our website, gamesoverboard.com. There's a contact button. Lots of ways to get involved and talk to us. But as always, stay spooky. At the beginning of my imprisonment, however, what I found most difficult was that I had the thoughts of a free man. For example, I was obsessed by a desire to be on a beach and to walk down to the sea. When I imagined the sound of those first little waves beneath my feet, the sensation of water flowing over my body and the feeling of freedom this brought me, it struck me how much the walls of my prison had closed in on me. But that just lasted a few months. Afterwards, I had only the thoughts of a prisoner. I looked forward to the daily walk I took around the courtyard or the visit from my lawyer. As for the rest of the time, I got used to it. Albert Camus, The Stranger.